Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to Royals Review Radio. Uh, I'm your usual co-host, actually, now, yes, uh, Sean Newkirk. Um, Without my normal co-host, Josh Ward, tonight, uh, but I've, of course, got the pleasurable, always enjoyable, remarkably good-looking, too, uh, Max Reaper, our managing editor. Max, how are you? (laughs) <laughs> Flattery will take you everywhere. I just got a pay raise, everybody. I don't know if you guys knew that. But, um, so I think you probably dropped the co-host label, too. I think you're pretty much the host now. You're like yeah. the Leno, you know, temporary host that's become like the full-fledged host of the Nine show. I was I was thinking of this, actually, uh, I think the other yesterday, that Ward has been on more podcasts. Because I, I missed the last one. I was on a vacation. And then like I missed like the second one we ever did. So I think Ward has been on more podcasts than I have. So he's kind of he's he's the host, maybe in name, maybe not name, but in actuality. But yeah, I I'll hold on to my host title. Um, all right, so we have had a bit since we last did one. I think it was June ish was the last one. Um, I was away, but uh, here we are back again here in August. Uh, lots happened, of course. Um, we can really just kind of start from chronologically a bit. Uh, the trade deadline. Came wait, 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 first of all, Eric Hosmer, oh, all-star game MVP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's going to get him a $200 million contract, did you hear? I think that's, you know, I think that's actually going to happen. Wait, and he's the last one since Bo Jackson? Has Bo Jackson won it? I think the, he's the only other Royal to win. Oh, oh yeah, MVP. not last one since. Yeah. You, wait, 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 Mark Redmond didn't win one? I, yeah, I'm not sure he got in the game. I, I don't think they let him play. Do they... I'm just... And you, you'll probably know this better than I do... What what's the history of the Royals players actually getting into the All Star game? I know the past few years it's been better, but like I remember just praying for Sweeney to get in, and like he never did. I don't think did Mike McDougal was he in all or maybe anyways. Yeah, McDougal got in the game. I think uh, Jermaine Dye started in two thousand. I think he's the only Royal between I think Bo in ninety one, uh, and then I mean more recently with like Salvi and Alex Gordon starting. Yeah. I think he's the only one to start in those two decades. Okay. Man, I wanted maybe Tartable started in you know, like '93 or something like that. But aside from that, I mean, that was it was just a long stretch of late starters, <laughs> which is ridiculous. For, I mean, That's pretty so much funny. everyone gets some starter in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Mark Redmans and just all the random Ken Harvey. Yeah, Ken Harvey. Sick and just <laughs> the great history of Royals All Stars. Um, yeah, I mean, if you kind of think about it, like. 
I wonder because there, you know, the MLB has that rule where it's there's at least every team has one All Star. <clears throat> Can you think? So Grinky would be deserving. I'm just trying to think of guys that would literally actually be if they got rid of that rule, who would actually be deserving? Mm-hmm. Grinky would those have been. Years, yeah, I, I mean, and I just die that one year. Two thousand, I, I think. Uh, yeah, you know, he got voted in deservingly. I think Sweeney maybe one or two of those years. You know, he put up yeah pretty monster numbers a couple of those years in his, in his peak. Yeah, he had that twenty nine uh, home runs. Yeah, then that's it. <laughs> I mean, who else are you gonna put in? Yeah, Jeff Montgomery at his peak, I guess, <laughs> in the early nineties. I mean, Mc, it's uh, some bleak years. Yeah, McDougal. I don't even know if McDougal was that good. He's my favorite Roy of all time, but I don't even know if he was that good. That, I mean, I think he piled up some saves, and then people thought saves are still a huge deal and. So his All Star year, he had a four point oh eight ERA. So (laughs) never mind, he probably shouldn't have been in. Well, I think I think he had. I think he was really lousy in the second half. I think he was actually good there for like. Anyways, but hey, so Hosmer hasn't really hit. Yeah, since that All Star break, do you think that that it messed him up, or maybe like he got his head, or messed up the swing, or like he's just not good of a hitter. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I mean, that's also possible as well. Could be that easy. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, he goes into one of these slumps like every year, it seems like. Yeah, and like, he's really been pumping up the ground balls. I mean, he's at like, last time I checked, he's at like 60%, which is fun, which is phenomenal, to be honest. I mean, it's it's rare that a, a hitter, not rare, but it's it's very hard for a hitter to hit that many ground balls, um, especially a guy who's a, a power hitter. And hey, I wanted to bring this up. Um, uh, Old, maybe not friend of the show, but friend of Royals Review certainly a bit. Um, Rainy, Rainy Jazarelli, uh, tweeted the other day, last night. Um, he was impressed by Cuthbert. He said that Cuthbert, in the past, what, three, four months, has developed more of a hitter than Eric Hosmer has in the past five years. Do you agree with that at all? Or, um, I mean, if you're talking strong. about like how, how much they've advanced, and yeah, I mean, I'd still obviously would take Hosmer going forward. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, you know, five months ago, I didn't think Cuthbert was anything as a hitter. Now he's like a league average hitter, like, yeah. which is pretty yeah. good for you know, where he started. Whereas Hosmer, five years ago, I mean, he put up a – I mean, look back at his rookie numbers. They're pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reason to be – to think he was going to be a superstar. Yeah. And then, and now, like, I mean, his, his numbers are good, but yeah. they're not – I mean, what, average for first baseman, would you say? Yeah, it's like a – like a one ten career WRC plus, I think, which is just yeah. which is fine uh, for so, first base. So I don't, I don't know that we talked since um, that two hundred million dollar business came out yeah. about Scott Boris uh, kind of leaking or at least hinting that Hosmer is going to be asking for two hundred million dollars. I mean, you I think you wrote a pretty good rebuttal yeah. to that. I mean, I guess in a nutshell, tell us why you don't think Eric Hosmer is getting two hundred million dollars. Yeah, and what do you what do you think is more realistic? Yeah, there's no way he gets two hundred million and. You know, people like to say, well, baseball salaries are up. And, yeah, they are, but come on. I mean, uh, if Jason Hayward, who's been consistently like a five, six-win player, who's younger, I think he's going to be – I think he's younger than he's 26. Hosmer will be when he hits – yeah. Hosmer will be an older free agent. Yeah. Um, and he got eight years, like 180 or something, and there was an opt-out. I mean, it's a little bit diluted, but he couldn't even crack 200 million. So there's no way that anybody's going to pay 200 million for a guy. I mean, just going down the kind of list, doesn't hit for power, hits a ton of ground balls, isn't a particularly good fielder, doesn't have you know an MVP, doesn't have. Uh, he's got the Gold Gloves, but he doesn't have any like MVPs. I think wasn't this his first year as an All Star? I mean, even those little superlatives that teams that you could maybe be like. 
<clears throat> excuse me, maybe be like, oh, teams love guys that, you know, do this or that. He doesn't really have that to begin with. You know, a lot of yeah. those kind of random stuff. And sure, he's young, but I mean, even on 10 years, nobody's going to be paying Eric Hosmer, you know, $20 million a year for when he's um, 38 or 37. And especially, you know, not now. So, uh, no, I, I can't imagine he gets a 10-year deal. I don't even know what the last 10-year deal was. Did Cano even get 10 years? Uh, uh, probably Stan. <clears throat> yeah, Stan. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and Stanton is younger, and Stanton has the most ridiculous power ever, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, big, that's the big difference there. So, and Jeffrey Laurie is the owner, so that's a other kind of a little difference. And they gave him opt outs as well. So, um, yeah, I, think I, I bet he gets an opt out somewhere because that seems to be like the kind of standard. Sure. Almost, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. Like he's not, he's never been <laughs> top five in any offensive category. Yeah. He's he's only gotten two MVP. It's ever. Yeah. I mean, you talk about the other guys that get two hundred million dollar contracts. They're MVPs, home run champs, multiple all stars. Right. And, yeah. Hosmer just doesn't have that tracker. And yeah, I guess he's, you know, he was, uh, you know, great in the postseason. I'm mean, actually his postseason numbers aren't that great if you look at him, but he's had a couple great postseason moments, and he won All Star Game the MVP. And yeah, he's got some gold gloves. But even if you accept that he's a good de- defender, which a lot of teams I think will not, um, teams aren't going to pay up $200 million yeah. for gold defense at first base. I mean, yeah. Doug Mankiewicz had trouble finding contracts when he was a free agent. Right. Uh, so, And he was a fantastic defender at first yeah. base. Teams don't pay for defense, just period. I mean, they got, I mean, what the Braves got in Jolton Simmons on like a five-year reasonable deal. I, I can't think of the numbers. I want to say it was like 40-something million. And he's like maybe the best defensive player of all time, let alone shortstops. Well, I think you could argue Hayward got paid on defense. And yeah, oh, sure, yeah. But, but I mean, even his numbers are better, I think, or at least, I don't know, I think they're a little bit better than Hosmer's. And yeah. it's not, that's a position where defense matters a lot oh, more. Oh, yeah, not great point. Much, so. Yeah, yeah, first base defense is not, I mean, it's the lowest, after DH, it's the lowest positional adjustment as far as it takes away. So, yeah, I mean, right, first base defense isn't even really even that important, you know. So, even if a team was going to pay for defense, first base is literally the last place they would pay for defense off. So what, what do you think is uh, more reasonable? I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you think? Like he'll get? What do you think the Royals would, would offer? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like when he hits free agency, there's going to be that same thing with Gordon, where they low, where the media or you know everybody speculated. Oh man, they lowballed him. I don't know if that's you know. But I think we have a pretty good feeling that might not be true. Um, but I don't know. I would imagine. Uh, I think something like Brandon Belt. I oh, got Brandon Belt get ninety million. I think he'll get a little more than ninety million, just because he'll get like someone will give him like seven years or something. Let me do some math. So like seven times. Let's just say he gets eighteen. Yeah, I could probably see him getting like seven years, fifteen million AAV. So hundred ish million. Yeah. And that's and that's solely because somebody's probably going to bet on his age. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he got like five years, fifteen million ish, maybe even five years, like I don't know, ten million. I mean, this is one of the worst years. Not, I'm sorry, this is not one of the worst years he's had, but this is a down year. Yeah. Uh, you know, undoubtedly, it's a down year. Um, and unless next year he just comes, you know, roaring back, I mean, he's replacement level this year. Um, and next year. I mean, he's, unless he stops hitting ground balls, starts hitting for power. Uh, I, I remember three months ago, we were all saying, uh, well, I wasn't saying this, but other people were saying that, like, here it is, this is Hosmer's big power year, where he had the two home runs off sale to opposite field. I think he was sitting on, like, ten home runs by, like, April or May. 
it was like, all right, here we go. He's going to hit 30. And then he's, he's at 15. I, I think he's hit like two home runs since the all-star break or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I would peg him at like five, six years, maybe 15 million, but nowhere close to 200 million. Not even going to, not even in the ballpark. Yeah, I think I, I could see a team going seven years, maybe. And, yeah. And uh, with some opt out in there, maybe even an option year on top of that. But it'll be like, like 15, 18 million dollars. And I'd be kind of surprised if that's high, if it's that high. Because, I agree. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, you know, he's been terribly inconsistent. I mean, look at his OPS kind of going back and forth every other year. And, la- and it's not even like the highs are that high. I mean, last year yes. he had an OPS of 822, OPS plus of 8, 121. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he hits in Kauffman Stadium. And I heard some people say, well, if he goes to Yankee Stadium, he'll hit more home runs. And the Yankees will be banking on that. It's like, well, why wouldn't the Yankees just pay less to get someone who's better? I mean, like, yeah. any, if anyone can hit home runs, and then they should sign anyone. You know, like, yeah. Why would they want to spend $200 million on Eric Hosmer? So, and those numbers... Um, OPS plus WRC plus are all park adjusted, so they oh, should yeah, be neutral. Oh yeah, so, yeah, totally. So yeah, uh, he hasn't. And he, you, know, you look at his numbers on the road; they're not really any better. Yeah. So well, and he doesn't hit that many in Cop- in New Yankee to begin with. And two, I mean, ground balls don't leave the park <laughs> in right. Yankee or Boston or anywhere that people think his swing is going to fit. It's not. It's not because Kaufman has a gigantic um, right field wall or it's deep or something like that. It's simply. Most of the time, the ball doesn't leave the infields, it, yeah. so it's pointless to be like, "Oh, he's going to hit more home runs," because he's not. I mean, this is who he is. It's part of his swing mechanics. He's just as a, a line drive, ground ball kind of swing. I mean, eh, so if, his, if his price is kind of in that range, do you think that makes the Royals a player? Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I, I almost feel Gore. All right, so Gordon for sure. Gordon was one where. I think had Gordon been like 29 or 30, he would have not. He would not be a royal if he wasn't uh, a little older than he is. I think that he would have definitely signed for a lot more elsewhere. Um, but because Cespedes and Hayward and Upton, I'm trying to think of who are, you know there were multiple outfield free agents out there. Um, that kind of really brought down his price a bit, and of course qualifying offer. So I think with Hosmer, if it's in that range. Maybe I still don't know. I still don't think that the Royals should pay hundred something million for Eric Hosmer, mm-hmm. um, especially when that means you can't give any money. You, you basically can't give any money to anybody else. You can't keep Mustakis or Kane at that price, most likely, um, because you'll still have Kennedy, you'll have Gordon, you'll have raises to Perez, raises to Ventura. So there's a lot, you know, of money go- that is basically locked up. And the Royals won't have playoff revenue this year. Maybe, probably not next year. In the few years after that, so it doesn't really help you that much. Um, so no, I, I don't think that. I would almost say, regardless of the price, he's probably not going to be retained. But that's just me. And that is if he hits free agency. I mean, maybe they work out an extension. I doubt it, but yeah. Yeah, I kind of like. Uh, I, I kind of written him off. I don't think he's going to resign. And I, I do kind of. I, I think the Royals. Was really loath to sign guys to really long term deals, yeah. and I think he is going to get a pretty long term deal, like six seven years. Uh, on the other hand, I think he is a favorite of Dayton Moore's because uh, you know, like I think when you're a general manager, and it's understandable. I think you, you kind of have guys that are feathers in your cap, like oh, you know, guys you drafted, yeah, you developed, and like that's your guy. I think Salvador Perez is kind of that guy for them. Yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't totally surprise me if they broke the bank for him and. Said he's well. He's our franchise player. He's kind of like the the jewel of our, you know, scouting. Sure. Um, he's kind of like the reason we we you know we have jobs. Uh, so we'll commit to him. 
But man, yeah, it, it it won't be two hundred million dollars, but it'll be probably more. It'll be the biggest contract in Royals history. Sure. And um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it'd be wise to, to commit to a player with that kind of track record for that many years. And, yeah. and I don't think they'll do it, but I, I think it'd be a bad idea if they did. Yeah, what a lot of people have been saying is that they would rather, you know, let Hosmer walk and then spend that money on like Mustakas um, mm-hmm. and Duffy. I don't know. I, I'm still really. I know it's really easy to say like, oh sure, let's just resign him now. But when guys are basically six months of baseball, seven months of you know baseball away from being free agents, effectively, um, it's really hard to convince them to be like, "Hey, come sign a below market deal." Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a, probably the worst time to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, you could buy out a guy if he's three, four years away from free agency. But I mean, all these guys really have to do is not be hurt, which hasn't been a problem for Mustakas other than this year. Um, Kane, you know, it's been a bit of a problem, but I mean, guys like that, where it's they're not like awful years. They haven't had um, huge super injuries, other than again Musakis this year. But still, they're so close to free agency. There's no incentive for them to. Players will always bet on themselves. There's just no incentive for them to be like, oh sure, let's just sign a blue market deal. So and, and people say like, oh he likes it in Kansas City. Yeah. He likes these guys. I'm sure he does. Yeah. But he also likes I mean, money. Yeah, you like money, and you like being wooed, and you like bigger yeah. markets that have, you know, he's a young guy. You know, I think New York and Chicago and L.A., would, yeah. Miami, would, you know, where he's from. Yeah, he would, would love to, yeah. He would love to play in Miami, I bet. Uh, right. If, you know, even if, and I understand it's a disaster of a franchise, but he's from the area. He hangs out there in the off season, and if they offered him a boatload of money, I'm sure he'd, he'd jump at the chance to play sure. there. I mean, you can always make new friends. You can, I mean, you know, it's not, and it's not like the guys here are going to stay here forever either. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, I can't, I can't imagine, and he probably doesn't spend his winters here, but he probably has to be here for winter for stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine that he loves being here in the snow. You know, when it's freezing, when it's twenty degrees in March, I can't imagine he's you know super pumped to come back. Um, I guess he's in probably Arizona at that time, but that's the main. I mean, yeah, you know, there's a reason why. New York and Boston, besides the money they have, they also attract really great talent. And now the Whites, or not the White Sox, now the Cubs, because mm-hmm. they're cities that people love and people want to go to. And I mean, uh, it's probably not just coincidence that you know Kansas City doesn't sign huge free agents for the most part. Not a little bit because of the money, but also because it's just not a destination, you know, yeah. spot. Um, no, no knock on Kansas City. I mean, it's, yeah, we like we like yeah. here, and uh, you know, it's, if you're gonna get free agents it seems like you probably get like family guys who want to yeah. settle down like, yeah and that's not eric Hosmer, so yeah i i mean would you rather be paid 100 million to live in miami or be paid 80 million to live in kansas city you know i and they I, have no state income tax in florida yeah yeah there you go <laughs> uh so yeah 200 million that's uh it's a bet out there but um i don't know but mustakas would be something that i would maybe be somewhat interested in bringing back um, just because I think a team's going to get a really good deal if you compare the the deals Mustakas is going to get against the deals that Hosmer is going to get. Yeah. I think I think whoever gets Mustakas is going to win that one pretty hands down. Um, I think he's got a kind of a baseline as like a two-ish win player when he's not injured. So would not be surprised if uh, he's a better deal. But do you think the the Royals would be more active in pursuing him, keeping him, or does Cuthbert and Dozier kind of make him? more likely to leave. Yeah, I never really agreed with, like, I'm okay with trading Moustakas, but I'm not okay with trading him because they've got Cuthbert or trading because they have Dozier. I'm still not sure that either one of those guys, as well as Cuthbert's hitting now 
and as well as those are sitting in AAA. Moustakas has already had, I think, two, three win seasons. I mean, he's already been several uh, several above-average seasons Moustakas has. Um, and other than this year, he's been completely – I mean, he's always been on the field. Last year he had a four-win season almost, and then in 2012 he had a three-and-a-half-win season. And it definitely seems like he's a much better hitter now than he used to be. And then you combine that, he's a much, much better defender than Cuthbert and Dozier. Um, so it's just a better baseline. And he's not super old. I mean, he'll be 28 next year, mm-hmm. 29 in free agency. So it's not as if, you know, he's going to let him walk and let somebody else um, risk, you know, getting the, the twilight years of him. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be much, much more um, open to just resigning Moustakis and then figuring out what to do with Cuthbert and Dozier if, if he resigns. If he doesn't, then uh, you, you have your third baseman you can try. I have a, I have a feeling that Cuthbert gets moved this winter for sure. a pitcher. I think yeah. for a young pitcher, uh, just because I think they'd be selling high on him right now, and that, you know he could be better. I mean, I think he has made a lot of improvements just athletically. He looks better than he did like a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, not that he's great defensively, but he's 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 pretty passable at third base, I think. But he's not he's not Mike Mustakas, and and I think just you know even though he's been was one of the world's better hitters the last couple months, I think it probably says more about the world's lineup than it does. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's kind of an average hitter who has a chance to be better, but I think um, I, I think that's still kind of gambling. I, I'd rather go with the sure thing. If you are going to compete next year, I think Mustakas is more of the sure thing. And Easily. You kind of Cuthbert's the kind of guy you, you use as trade bait to get a pitcher, which you sorely need. Yeah. Yeah. So. Speaking of uh, trading, so uh, in July the trade deadline came and went. Um, Royals made. No moves. Well, I'm sorry. I guess they traded Billy Burns for Brett Eibner. Yeah, um, so the great Billy Burns. Yep. Um, which, and I just tweeted out that I just realized that the Royals have the two two the two guys with the shortest average batted ball distance, Billy Burns and Draw Dyson, both in the lineup tonight as we record this podcast. So um, they definitely. So is, is Willie Tavares available? Can we sign him? Or? <laughs> uh, and then like Ben Revere was up there. So yeah, <laughs> Nori Aoki was in that too. We can always um, require him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so trade deadline, pretty inactive. I don't know. I, I didn't I, – I'm sure you talked about it, but I kind of missed your general thoughts. What did you think about keeping on Volquez and keeping uh, Morales? I mean, you think it was just a matter of they didn't get any good offers, or do you think it was you know, him saying, hey, let's see if we can compete next year? Yeah, I think that they were probably holding the line on, on a high um, uh, demand for Volquez. Because, you know, I heard the – Phillies were like asking for like top five prospects for yeah. Jeremy Hellickson, who's yeah. I mean younger and a little bit better this year, but certainly a shakier track record than Volquez. But they're pretty comparable, I think, and they're both free agents at the end of the year. So I think if they were doing that, the Royals are probably doing that too, probably more so because they're expecting to compete next year, and I think they feel like they have in the back pocket um, that they're going to offer him a qualifying offer. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much the impression I got from from uh, Sam Mellinger's article that they pretty they feel pretty confident they can make him a qualifying offer which for anyone that doesn't know that's they have to offer him 16.3 million dollars next year as a salary and if he accepts it then he gets paid that if he rejects it then they can get a draft pick for him um but it's a gamble because if he accepts it then you got to pay him 16 million dollars right. for a pretty average league average starting pitcher which Mellinger made the point that you know based on this free agent market that's probably about what you can expect uh, for a free agent average pitcher because it's a pretty terrible market this year 
And so, uh, you know, he, he's likely to turn that down in favor of looking for a three-year deal, a four-year deal. So it's, I don't know. I, in, in those terms, I don't think it's a terrible thing to do to hold them, I, you know, if, if they weren't getting great offers, and we don't know what they were offered. Um, so, you know, it'll be an interesting game of chicken to play this winter. If it all works out, if they get a draft pick out of it and he leaves and goes somewhere else, I'll say as a, as a, I, I would say that's probably better than what they would have got at the yeah. trade deadline. I don't know. Do you think? May, what, what, do you, what do you think would have been out there for Wolfwood? Yeah, you know, so Jeff Jeff Passan talked about this a bit, and then Mellinger and I got in a bit of a Twitter argument over it. Uh, I think it's I think it's nuts that they're going to offer him a qualifying offer, mm-hmm. and Passan says that yeah, Volquez will definitely accept that qualifying. Right, I, I mean, heard that too. Yeah. It's sixteen and a half million dollars, especially now. I want to say Volquez's ERA is five after the other night. Uh, it is five point oh three. So uh, he's uh, obviously not having a good year. He's thirty two. You know, he'll be thirty three. I just don't. I don't see how he would turn down a qualifying offer, especially coming off where... So in 2014, before he signed with the Royals, he had a 3.04 ERA. Took, you know, he was, what, 30, coming off his age 30 season, uh, almost had a sub-3 ERA, pitched 192 innings, and then he signed with the Royals for two years, 20 million. Um, but now someone's going to give him more than one year, 16... I mean, he's going to get more, a higher contract... Being two years older and having arguably the worst season of his career um, by ERA standards, or pretty close to it, uh, a few years back, I guess he was in 5.7. But having an awful, awful year, I don't see how on earth he's going to get a qualifying offer, and if he does, how he turn it down. So in that scenario, yeah, I think it would have made sense to shop at the deadline. You were going to get anything much for him. A lot of people, I think, were surprised that. Um, the kind of the Drew Hutchinson for Francisco Liriano swap, um, and that was more of like a salary dump. But and they, had, they had to throw in some prospects. To yeah, do, to yeah, do, and to... had to throw in some stuff. So uh, it's kind of hard to think of what it was. But um, yeah, I think I'd rather have Helixson than Volquez. And you know, the Royals were probably wanting a, a decent return on it, and I just don't think that was out there. So I think what, the Cobb deal was probably well, Wade Miley, although he was uh, yeah, Wade Miley. Extra year. Wade Miley got traded for a 27-year-old Cuban AAA yeah. guy, which yeah, that's pretty good. pretty low upside. But I mean, he had another year uh, until free agency, but he's also probably worse pitcher yeah, than Volquez. Probably worse pitcher. Well, I will say two things in to to rebut your point um, that when Volquez signed his deal after being in Pittsburgh with the Royals. He was that was like his first year after like being terrible. Like he was released the year before that oh, by yeah, that's Padres correct. Yeah. and Dodgers. So I think that was kind of like his his make good. Okay, you did it once, one year. Can you make good? You know, for the next couple years. Now he's kind of proven he's at least kind of a dependable, not a guy you release starting pitcher. You know, sure. So I think he's at least got that track record under his belt. Yeah. And two, I think if you look at his, his ERA stinks, but his FIP is just a little bit worse. Well. It's, it's significantly worse, but it's not terrible. It's much better than his ERA, 4.36. Mm-hmm. And his peripherals are tick worse than last year. So, and the third thing is that the, the supply of pitchers just sucks this winter. Like, it's yeah. Jeremy Hellickson, Volquez, Rich Hill. Rich Hill is really good, but he's also like 38. And then 44-year-old Bartolo Colon. Like, yeah. If you need a starting pitcher this winter, you got to sort through that crap. And yeah. so, in that environment... And the other thing is, like, agents are really bad about the market sometimes. Like, 
Urban Santana's agent wanted a hundred million dollar contract, yeah. and they turned out a qualifying offer. Right. And they had to wait. To, well, they waited till the end of spring training to sign, and they had to sign a one year deal. Yeah. So these agents sometimes have diluted ideas. I, I don't necessarily disagree with your points. I think you're right that it, is, it seems it strikes me as kind of absurd to, for him to turn down sixteen million dollars or for him to be offered sixteen million dollars. But it's looking at those factors. I don't think it's totally crazy to think that. And and every year there's like stupid stuff that happens at free agency. Yeah, so, yeah I don't know. It, it, it'll, be, it'll be really interesting to see how it pans out because I could I could see it playing out either way. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of a weak market, but about you know the kind of buyers usually sell the market. So I don't know. I feel like a team would just like if he turned down a QO. I feel like teams just be like, all right, we're obviously just going to wait until June. We're not going to give up a draft pick. Yeah, to that's the thing. Is like that'll drag him. down his value. Like that'll drag down his contract. The Royals yeah. don't get a qualifying offer if he signs after June. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah. After the draft passes, you you don't get anything. Out yeah, you don't get um, anything. So I'm sure. So, I mean, a team. If a team is setting their watch by Edison Volquez and need him desperate, desperately, I don't think that's going to happen. Where they could say, yeah. "Okay, you're going to be a guy we're just going to sign in June." I mean, he's effectively you could consider it basically a trade, like a trade deadline almost kind of thing. Where yeah. you sign him after the June draft, there you go. Nobody's you know putting him in as their number one or number two or even probably their number three starter as far as a team that is be willing to give up a draft pick for that. So I don't know. I think it's a little out there, but. Um, yeah, I mean, all the power to him. I mean, if they can offer him and he turns it down and signs elsewhere, great move. But, I mean, Michael Kadire turned down his, um, and the Mets gave up a pick to sign him. So that's kind of crazy. So we just have to bank on, uh, I guess, Dave Stewart's probably the worst GM in the yeah, league now. Yeah, right, right. Bank on him paying for Edison Volquez. Like, yeah, hey, he's yeah. got postseason experience. Yeah, and I think teams would just rather be like, all right, you know what, we're just going to trade for somebody rather than, you know, Sign a long-term deal and give up draft pick in doing so, but I don't know. Um, what do you uh, What do you think about the way how the Wade Davis scenario played out? Because I know we were all really sucked. tempted and enticed by yeah. you know rumors of packages for relievers, and then he gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, a- like, Andrew Miller got Clint Frazier. Um, not ju- maybe Sheffield? Justin Sheffield. Yeah, Justin I was thinking. Sheffield, yeah. yeah, Justin Sheffield, um, and then uh, the third guy. I forget who it was. Um, I would have loved that package for Wade Davis. I think that's great. Um, I think Miller's an equal reliever to Davis, and I think he's, he's just about the same cost. Uh, and I think Miller's got another year control, I want to say, maybe two more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would have hands down taken that package. Uh, even the – not even the Cubs package. The Cubs package was great, but I don't, I don't think that was realistic for Davis. But, uh, yeah. Just a bummer, man. I I was thinking like, all right, love Wade Davis, but you know what? We've got Herrera. We had Hochever. You know, they had guys that it's like, all right, here we go. We've got guys that can fill in. That you know, we're not going to miss Davis that badly. A fifty you know fifty win team or whatever isn't doesn't necessarily need a dominant closer. Um, so it's great. I think it's one of the best assets we have. And then yeah, that just sucks that he got hurt. Um, I. I was pretty bummed out when I heard about it. I mean, I feel bad for him, you know, as a person, but also as kind of an asset for the Royals. It was kind of like, shit, like, that would have been a great trade piece. And it didn't help that, you know, he threw 30-something pitches the outing prior to getting hurt. (laughs) I couldn't believe he pitched that long to begin with. And I don't even remember if that game – 
I don't even. It wasn't. It wasn't even a safe situation, was it? Yeah, I just think it. I don't even remember being particularly close of a game. Yeah, it was like a five-run lead, and then he was. I mean, from the get-go, you tell he was off because he was walking yeah. walk, like two of the first three guys. Loaded the bases. And, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I, that might not have been it, but um, there was a really great. Um, oh God, I can't forget. I can't remember who said it, but someone interviewed someone recently, a major league pitcher, and he said that. Um, pitchers aren't just injuries waiting to happen. Pitchers are injuries that are are happening right now. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of how much they're injured. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that thing, the 30-pitch the out, he might not have hurt him, but um, I don't know. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, stinks, but thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think it's just kind of one of those things. That happen. Like, some people are actually criticizing Dayton Moore for, like, misplaying the mark, and I'm like, yeah. you know, you're going to wait till. You know, until you get a, until you're overwhelmed with the deal, you're gonna wait till the last seconds until you're overwhelmed with the deal. Sure. Or you feel like you have to make a move, and they just didn't get that offer. I think because other teams knew. I mean, he was. I mean, we. Why was everyone so eager to move him among the Royals fans? Because we knew that the last month he hadn't looked quite right, and he, had, you know, he'd had he'd been on the disabled list already this season. So now, I mean, now my big worry is that he's not going to be good anymore. Yeah. And the Royals aren't going to get anything for him. Yeah. Uh, like another Soria situation where we just. We did never got a chance to trade him, uh, which would be, you know, unfortunate. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, supposedly they're still looking at him to come back in like late this month. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, yeah. if he can resurrect him, if he's if he looks dominant in September and is has the same velocity, same command that he always had, then I would not be surprised if they try to move him this winter. But um, I, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see what we get when he comes back. Um, because I don't know if he's the same Ray Davis anymore. Yeah, that might be kind of best case scenario where he comes back for the last month-ish and just as dominant. That I mean, that you know would hopefully reset his value back up to you know being super awesome. And yeah, especially the winter. I mean, um, there's more buyers. Effectively, teams aren't out of it. I mean, yeah. you know, there's people that think they're going to be buyers that in July they know they're not buyers. So there's more teams willing to pay. And relievers are thankfully one of those kind of currencies that everybody needs. It's not like right. it's not like Hosmer. Hosmer's going to be kind of hard to shop because a lot of competitors don't need a first baseman necessarily. Um, right, right. But I mean, everybody will take Wade Davis except for I don't know, like the Cubs don't need them. You know, teams that are well, you know, teams but, need super pens and now. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. So and, and you know, Jeff Bassan, going back to him, he he made the point that he thinks that. Even next July, you can get ninety percent of what you would have gotten this July from Wade Davis, even though it's less of a year of control. Just because there's like the psychological effect, you know, a team blows yeah. two saves in a week and they're in contention, and they feel like they need to get a closer or they need to get another an eighth inning guy. Yeah, they'll, they'll. I mean, God, look what look at the Giants gave up for Will Smith. He's yeah, was like that, and I know he's like longer term, but my God, that's, he's not he's nearly like, as good you know, as yeah. He's not like the dominant closer or anything like that, and they got their top pitching prospect for him. So, I mean, teams tend to panic and overpay at the deadline. So I, even, even if the Royals hold on to him, and if they fall out of it in July, they trade him next trade deadline, I think they can still, if he's the same way Davis, I think they can still yeah. get a pretty good package for him. But, you know, my worry is just he's he's not going to be the same old way Davis. Yeah, but. I love that Will Smith-Noriaoki trade, though. <laughs> that, that oh, yeah. Great. I don't know why, but I, oh, I love that trade. That's such a fun – I love Noriaoki. So, uh, it was a really good trade for both teams. Yeah. I don't think, you know, it's like I thought the Brewers made a stupid trade. I think both teams made a good deal at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, also worth talking about here. Um, I've written about this. 
as far as hey, I wrote something positive about Danny Duffy, um, and I'm starting to come around a bit on him. Duffy's been since like May-ish when he started moving kind of full-time starter. He's been pretty dang good. He's uh, starting right now, actually, as we talk, and he's given up a bunch of hits, but limited damage to just one run and five strikeouts, no walks, and command has been a big thing. Um, what do you kind of make of 100 innings so far, Duffy? I mean, it looks like a kind of different pitcher, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, like he's not uh, – it doesn't seem like he's laboring out there. He, like he seems kind of free and easy, and, and I guess the star was writing that he uh, – kind of simplified his approach, you know, he's pitching out the stretch a lot, and kind of just, you know, not as having not having as many moving parts in his mechanics, and I mean, he's the kind of guy that with his mentality, I think he kind of needs things simple, and, and um, you know, just go out there and, you know, go out there and throw, and um, attack hitters, and, and that's worked for him. Um, you know, I've been a big Duffy, I've been high on Duffy for a while, even, you know, I thought it was ridiculous he didn't make the rotation out of spring training, um, you know, even if you, you know, if you look at his numbers the last couple of years, like as a starting pitcher, his ERA is fantastic. It's like three point two going into this year, and of course it's gone down uh, with this year. And, and uh, you know the big, the only knock on him really had been that he can't go deep in games. And yeah, he's kind of. It seems out. like he's been able to sort that. I mean, you know, but I'll even take a good pitcher that can go five innings. I mean, that's better than the guys we're throwing out there now who struggle to go through five innings. Frankly, uh, as it is, so you know I'm glad to see him have the success. Um, and I, you know, I think I think it's sustainable. I think he's going to be able to keep this up and uh, do it again next year. And uh, you know, that's that's great because they really you look at that rotation for next year. And, yeah. um, Duffy Duffy really needs to be the man because Jordano is the guy I thought it would be, and, yeah. and he hasn't been it. So I don't know. Like, are you, are you seeing a noticeable difference with Danny uh, over the last you know ten fifteen starts? Yeah, the swing rates are up huge, which is really really big. Um, he's a guy that I was looking at this a little bit earlier. He's got a huge. I haven't seen his previous year's numbers. I'm sure that they probably might. They're probably not as similar, but um, his previous year's the spin rate on his fastball. I think he's top 30 mm-hmm. in fastball spin rate, which usually, and that's great for strikeouts. Um, I'm a little, not a little worried, but the high spin rate on balls usually leads to more whiffs, but also leads to more fly balls. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little worried, and he's definitely given up a ton of fly balls. And it didn't hurt Max Scherzer, but that's the kind of thing is that. He was, for a nice little span, he's pretty homer-prone a bit. That's been the majority of the damage against him. So fly balls are definitely something that um, concerns me a bit, um, but that's always going to just be part of kind of his profile since he's got that high spin rate. But, I mean, it's definitely a different pitcher. I'm coming around a bit. Um, I I think in our kind of the inside baseball for people here, you know, the Royals Review, the writers, we have a, a message like a, just an email that we all send back and forth and kind of talk. Um, I had brought up in that email that uh, Yordano Ventura had a similar dominant sub-three ERA, like sub-three FIP stretch um, from a couple years back. Maybe it was last year um, from like June on. And so, and now he's been not very good. So I'm still, still not buying in fully just because pitchers in any moment, any given moment, it could snap up you know good it could snap for the bad so that's kind of what i'm really hesitant on and of course the tommy john in the history that's a a pretty big red flag so i'm in i'm in for the most part i think he actually is a good pitcher he obviously has the results of it he's got a great profile awesome swinging strikes getting strikeouts um there are some red flags with tommy john with the lack of history of this and with the the fly balls but so far, and tonight, he's been very good tonight as well. 
Um, another thing, uh, the walks, I think, and you might agree, the walks have been the biggest godsend for him is that mm-hmm. he's not walking a lot of people. And I don't think it's necessarily because he's you know just um, throwing a ton of strikes necessarily, but he's just getting a ton of whips, yeah. and that's been the big thing. That's been the biggest difference, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, his command seems like it's a little better, uh, but you know, I don't think it's markedly better to where I, I don't necessarily believe that he is – his like true skill command level is like a sub two uh, walks per nine kind of guy, like he has been. Uh, I still think he's like that three and a half ish walks per nine guy, but because he's got such a huge chase rate and whiff rate, he's just he's just not walking anybody because he's striking them out. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you only have to throw three strikes, so and that's what he's basically doing. So I don't know. And he's another guy I think that'll be really interesting to see what he gets when he becomes a free agent after next year. Yeah. Because um, I think a couple weeks ago. Before he kind of really exploded, I think just when he started to look really good, like they had a discussion on six ten. I think we had an article about it too about and Passan. It's like the Jeff Passan podcast, but he was saying, uh, well, I guess uh, Danny Parkins I think was throwing out a number like five years, sixty million dollars, and Passan was pretty incredulous, like, oh, there's no way they'll offer him that much. You know, Duffy would, you know, he'd take that in a heartbeat if they offered it to him right now, and. And now I think I mean if he keeps this up I think that's pretty that's probably going to be on the low end of what he'll get I mean I I think every every start he um, looks good out there the more money he's making and I think if he carries yeah. it over to next year I think you know he, even though his rec track record is kind of inconsistent it's not like he's had bad years it's really just he's had trouble going deep in games that's been his big knock so I think teams feel like they can at least work with that um, and you know like I said pitching is 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 kind of hard to find right now yeah. so. I can see him getting a pretty hefty deal. He's not getting like hundred million dollars or anything like that. Yeah, um, he'll get a pretty pretty sizable deal, and I'll be, I'll be interested to see if the Royals make a attempt to bring him back because there's not a whole lot in the pipeline as far as pitching, yeah. so they kind of need to keep some of these pitchers, even if, uh, if they want to be you know respectable. Yeah, Duffy, great point. Yeah, Duffy's not going to get. Uh, excuse me, he's not going to get a hundred million. Um, not that he's not worth hundred million, but. I mean, when Jordan Zimmerman got 100 million, it was big news because he was a top, he was the first Tommy John survivor to get 100 million. I mean, it's a big deal having Tommy John in your pass, mm-hmm. especially since I think the sweet spot for Tommy John is something like uh, six-ish years. Um, and when did Duffy have his in 2013? Maybe I'm not sure. Actually, maybe 2012. So, anyways, but in the middle of that chunk. In the middle of any contract he signs, he's going to be kind of pushing up against that kind of shelf life for his his new ligament. So that's going to worry teams a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, it's not like he's had like these awful five six ERA five FIP years. I mean, he just has just been inconsistent and had you know a lot of different issues. He would either strike guys out or he'd walk them. It was hardly ever what he's been now. So um, five sixty. I uh, I think he'd take five sixty. Uh, well, maybe I don't know. What's uh, now? I think he. Let me do some math. <laughs> yeah, five sixty is that twelve million a year. That's that's somewhat reasonable. I don't know. Would he take it? Absolutely. I don't know if he'd absolutely in a heartbeat take it, but I think that's reasonable for for his value. I don't know. Mm. I mean, so that'd be about twenty nine when he hits free agency, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I, I, I think that right now, knowing what we know now, if he kind of, I guess, if he hit free agency like today, I yeah. think that's what he would get. 
if he did, if you were to do this for another, like next year he win, you know, he has a yeah three ERA of three and just two hundred innings and yeah, and then I think that goes up. But I think right now, as of right now, five sixty looks reasonable. reasonable. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I want. And I know it's. And uh, this is maybe the not the worst time, but like you know, I just had an article posted on Thursday. I'm thinking this, so it should be yesterday. This should come out on Friday um, about how the Royals should maybe look at rebuilding. But uh, I'm okay with you know letting Duffy walk. It's great, but and I love Duffy. Um, and if he would take 560, yeah, sure. I think I'd, I'd agree with that because worst case scenario is you've got a guy on a pretty decent contract, might even be an under uh, market contract that you could just trade um, if need be for whatever reason. So, um, But, you know, if he doesn't end up a Royal, if he does go to free agency, then, I mean, I don't know. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not paying Danny Duffy five, five years, $60 million, but I I'd also wouldn't mind it. So, kind of neutral on that. Now, if we're talking $80 million, no, I think we're, I think we're getting too far up there with a guy like Duffy who effectively has, I mean, I don't know, 200 total innings first career of, like, good, solid, consistent stuff, effectively. So, um, I don't well, know. Well, Ian, Ian Kennedy. Yeah. Hasn't done it since 2011. Sure. <laughs> he got a yeah. $70 million deal. So. Yeah, you know, and you know I love that deal. I have nothing but good things to say about that. <laughs> we should probably talk about your Braves article, because I thought it was a really interesting one that sparked a lot of good discussion. Um, and it's on our website if you want to look at it. Uh, but and you should check it out because it, it was, I think you made a really good point and, uh, and it was well thought out and and, uh, and written. But uh, basically, I guess sum up your point. Just uh, uh, what was kind of the gist of the article? What you think the Royals should do as they kind of look over the future? Yeah, um, it was really, and I mentioned this to you earlier. It was really not strange, but there's so much the 2014 Braves and the 2016 Royals share in common. Um, I mean, you know, defensive first shortstops, a lot of homegrown-ish players, I guess. Uh, young first basemen, not underwhelming. Freeman has been underwhelming, but, you know, Freeman hasn't been Paul Goldschmidt, you know, this amazing hitter. He's been a very good hitter. Um, so it's just been, all, you know, a lot of things that, a lot of similarities. Uh, and that kind of came out of coincidence because I was actually talking with uh, um, Paul, uh, the Northwest Arkansas's Beat, uh, beat writer uh, for the Naturals that covers them. Um, and oh, why? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. What was it? I'm blanking on his last name. Uh, uh, Paul Boyd. Yeah, Paul Boyd. Boyd. Gosh, sorry, Paul. If you listen to this, sorry, Paul. We follow each other on Twitter. I really apologize. I know your last name. Uh, so Paul Boyd, and he's a huge Braves fan. So he was actually saying, yeah, you know what? That's that's actually a good point. And so, and I had just tweeted that idea out, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah. So I looked a little more into it. Um, yeah, the Braves, you know, 2013, they won 90-something games. 2012, they won 90-something games. Uh, all in line, it looked like, to have many successful years because in the 2013, well, the 2014 preseason, so the 2013 offseason, I think they signed Kimbrell to a long-term deal. They signed Freeman to, like, a longer-term deal. So they patched up a bunch of guys. Simmons, I think they signed that year. So they, you know, signed up all these guys. And then 2014 rolled around, and they just flopped. I mean, it wasn't awful. They, you know, they didn't win. They didn't lose 100 games, but they were four games under 500, I think. Uh, way, way, way below expectations. Um, part of it is because Chris Medlin and Mike Miner got hurt. Those were arguably their two best pitchers. I think both had like four win projections, so they were, you know, borderline um, Cy Young candidates that they lost. 
So that obviously hurt. But there was a lot of underperformance. So effectively, John Hart, John Coppola, um, both came over. Uh, they fired Frank Wren, and they hired those two guys. And they said, yeah, you know what? Uh, Hayward's gone next year. Upton's gone next year. Uh, what is it? There was another guy that was a soon-to-be free agent as well. And so they said, you know what? Let's get rid of uh, – that's wrong. That Let's get rid of is a bit of a bad connotation. But they said, you know what? We recognize a few years we're going to be building a new stadium. Uh, we know a lot of our guys are leaving. We've got a very weak farm system. This is a good time for us to pivot and to effectively sell off is kind of a long word, um, but effectively trade away our major league assets that have value now. We can trade them, get good future value in return, which they did for the most part. Um, looking at the time, for instance, like the Upton deal to the Padres, they got like Max Freed. Malik Smith actually ended up being pretty good. Um, but like a lot of the guys, like I think it was Dustin Peterson and Max Freed, those are okay. Now they're just okay-ish. But back then, you know, it looked like a pretty good package. Then the Kimbrell package. So they had a whole bunch of stuff um, that was in line that looked like, oh, okay, cool. So they were able to you know, sell off these major league assets, got several top 100 prospects, I think, or at least a bunch of top 100 and some French top 100, so, but really good, you know, 45, 50 future value kind of guys on that kind of grading scale. Um, so really it was just a recognition of, okay, here's where we're at now, here's where we're going to be in the long term, even in the medium term. I'm not sure we have the ability to compete. We're obviously not going to retain Jason Hayward. We're not going to retain Justin Upton. The Melvin Upton has not been good. Um, if we're going to lose games, we don't need Craig Kimbrell. We don't need a dominant closer on, you know, a 500 or sub-500 team. Um, we lost our two best pitchers. They might not even, you know, be back until mid next year, so mid 2015. Medlin and Minor ultimately weren't even brought back. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, they just kind of recognize where they're at. Their window was closing. They have an ability now to kind of strike rather than, you know, watch all these guys leave, give up, then give Hayward um, qualifying offers. They were just able to flip their current kind of assets, very short term value assets for kind of longer term things uh, and of course and as you mentioned in the comments of that article which is a great point and kind of an ancillary kind of idea as well is they didn't do spectacular with the trades that's a big piece of it at the time it looked okay-ish but and you'd mentioned like the cubs and in houston they had kind of full teardowns that they sold off um and they just did okay and, and you know that's part of the risk nobody's going to give you we can't swap eric hosmer for jose quintana that's not going to happen um, teams are going to give up awesome current MLB players for with longer control for short-term guys. But, um, you know, we could definitely get future value in prospects. But, yeah, prospects are risky. So definitely a big thing. And the ancillary kind of idea that you had mentioned as well is that drafting plays a really big part in it. And, you know, if the Royals are bad in 2017, 18, so on, they're going to get um, higher draft picks. So that's a big piece of it too. Um, but kind of my thoughts is that with 2017 i don't necessarily see them being very good in 2017 which is obviously not um a fact it's obviously an opinion and you know there's arguments on both sides they'll be good they'll be bad they'll be somewhere in the middle uh, but i feel like you know if 2017 is not going to be good now's the time to kind of strike where iron's hot you get anybody you trade you trade kane you're going to get a full season from kane and you're going to get to offer him a qualifying offer when he leaves same thing with maybe Hosmer, Mustakis, Davis, guys like that. Um, so you, 
you trade them in July, you're not going to get that. Prices might be higher in July, but prices uh, there'll be more there'll be more buyers in the winter, and teams will get a full season. So, and then you're also banking on Kane staying healthy and Davis being healthy and Hosmer having a good year. So if you can kind of sell now, well, then I think you I think you're better off. But just kind of I'll mention the similarities between the Braves and the Royals, and there seems like to be a lot. So, um, and as every single comment from the from Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, and John Sickles' website, when they recap the Braves farm system, they all mention how well they had done in trades or how they've kind of revamped everything in trades. So Royals are obviously a team that needs prospects. There's there's no no doubt about it. That team consistently needs to have a strong farm system if they're going to want to continue to have open windows of competition. Yeah, and I, I disagree with the comments a little bit, although I should point out that I don't totally disagree with your point. I think a lot of what you said made, made a lot of sense, and I think that it really comes down to if you think next year's team is going to be good. Yeah. Obviously, you don't think the team is going to be very good. Matthew Lamar had a piece this week that he doesn't think next year's team is going to be very good. I think the team next year could be good. Um, I, think the, I think it kind of depends a lot on what they do this offseason, how they can manage the roster, as Dayton Moore would say, probably Massaf the roster yeah um but you know it i think they have good players and players that have been part of a championship team and i think when you have that in hand uh if you're going to give that up you i I mean you got to be i don't know like i feel like it's hard to give that up to me for hypothetical players that may not pan out like like you mentioned i kind of brought up like the astros had a big teardown the cubs had a big teardown astros and, they made a lot, and the Astros are really smart, and the Cubs are really smart. They're, they're run by really smart guys. And they made, what at the time, were like really good trades. Like They traded like all these cast-offs, or not cast-offs, like veteran players that weren't going to be part of the future, like Roy Oswald, Carlos Lee, and, and uh, uh, for the Cubs, I, I, can't, uh, I don't even remember the Cubs trade. Jess Marja was kind of a controversial trade. Yeah. Uh, Mike Garza, they, they got a lot of players for. And a lot of, they got a huge mess of prospects, a lot of top 100 guys. And, like, all the Houston had to show for it was, like, Jay, uh, Jared Cozart, who they let her flip for Jake Bresnik, who's yeah. a nice outfielder to have. They got a Chris Deverinsky, a nice reliever. Uh, Mark Melanson, uh, who they end up flipping uh, in another package. I can't forget for who. But So they got some nice pieces, but they didn't really replace the players they had. Now, not that they should have kept those players, because those guys would have all been long gone anyway. And I mean, there's there's other reasons to do a, a teardown like that. Um and the Cubs did much better. I mean, the Cubs got Jake Arrieta, who wasn't really thought of as a prospect when yeah. they acquired him. But, they, yeah. you know, they were able to make, you know, he had enough, I guess, upside that they were able to do something with him. They got uh, uh, Addison Russell, who's a solid shortstop. They got uh, Billy McKinney in the Zamarja trade, who they later flipped for Aroldis Chapman. So they, and they got uh, Kyle Hendricks in the Matt Garza trade, which is a nice nice pickup. So there's, there's some nice players, but, I mean, to... I think that you know. I guess I know you weren't you weren't asserting this, but you're not going to replace the guys you you traded off. Like you're not going to get another Hosmer, Kane, um, Duffy, and Davis. You're going to get maybe a couple of pieces that can help you, and then you also have to go out and draft well, which you'll have a better draft position because you're crappy, um, and you're going to have to make some good trades. So I guess my point was like, why you're going to have a good draft position anyway? It's just going to be in a, a a year down the road because you're they're going to be bad in 2018. I don't think there's any getting around that. But so they'll get a good draft after that one, after that season. Um, so I don't. I guess my thing is why start that a year sooner and give up a year possibly contending 
or a package of players that might be nice players, but you don't have a team around that. Whereas right now, they have a good team, at least in my opinion. And, you know, you obviously disagree. So, um, but they just need some pieces to put around it. So, I don't know. That was just that was my point. I, I don't think I'm I'm a little more um, pessimistic on the prospects train than you are. I think you're. Uh, I think you tend to see more the more the positive, which is great because they they do have a lot of upside. But I'm I, I guess I've seen too many too many uh, Jim Pitsleys and and Dan Reichert's and yeah. Dee Browns fail yeah. to to be too high on prospects. But uh, I don't know. It's a good it's a good argument to have. And I sometimes I feel like a teardown would be fun. Uh, and the other point I should make is that the Astros and Cubs did their teardowns over like two years, whereas the Royals would have like from now like they can't make any trades. And now they got to wait till November, so they have to, from November basically until next July to trade off all these pieces, which is hard because not everyone needs those pieces in the next six months. Like, you know, not, there might not be that many teams that need a center fielder or, you know, a first baseman or whatever. So, you know, time, a lot of trade, good trades are about opportunity. When you, when you trade them, when does a guy become available, a prospect become available, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's difficult, but yeah, that was a good article. It, was good. it definitely raises a good point. It's something a lot of fans have been kind of asking or kind of calling for. So I don't think you're in the minority at all. Yeah. Um, so, and it'd definitely be definitely going to be a lot more talk about this in the winter as far as what they mm-hmm. have to do. Um, but I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll actually have to see what they do in the winter. I mean, I don't know. If they stand pat, I feel like this off season and they don't do anything, then uh, it's kind of like, well, what's what's it all? What's the point of the whole thing? Then if you're just, there needs to be some moves made, right? Uh, absolutely, so. it's a very important one. It's probably one of the most important winners I've had since, sure, probably the James Shields trade, yeah, in the yeah. off season. So, yeah. Um, so speaking of prospects, ish, um, Raul Montesi, uh, not Raul Montesi Jr., who is not our Raul Montesi, um, but Raul Montesi or Adoberto, dang it, <laughs> Adoberto Montesi. Um, he's up, and he seems to be the everyday second baseman for now until either Alcides Escobar disappears off this earth somehow or the Royals – or he retires because I wouldn't be surprised if he's the Royals shortstop for the next 10 years um, <laughs> somehow. I think there's a better chance of that than him not being the starting shortstop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so yes, but Montessi is up. Um, results so far, not great. I think including tonight – He's got a 18 WRC plus. He's been worth roughly negative two wins or negative point two wins. Excuse me. So two tenths of a negative win. Um, obviously not good. You know, it's only 15 games, um, but it seems like, and you know, I want to gauge your opinion on this. It's not just a matter of it's been 15 games. It's kind of what's happened in those 15 games. Usually, you know, if it's 15 games, you can say, if he's bad for 15 games, you'd be like, oh, well, you know, it's just 15 games. If he's good, you can all say, oh, you know, it's just 15 games. But the results haven't been as important as just the kind of, the way he's looked at the plate, I feel like. Um, he's got three strikeouts tonight. He is already striking out at 30% rate. He has that one walk, which was crazy how, why they would walk him, but he has the one walk. All of his, not all of his hits, but most of his hits have been bunts. Um... Kind of thoughts on, you know, throwing him in the deep end effectively right now? Well, first of all, it doesn't surprise me at all that they brought him up. I, yeah. I, 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 as soon as he got promoted to AAA, I, I think I tweeted out, like, he's not he's, he's going to be in Kansas City by August. Because they, they don't, if they're, for their, their top Uber prospects, yeah. Alex Gordon, Billy Butler, Eric Hosmer, 
Salvador Perez, they spend like pretty much no time in AAA. Yeah. The Royals just don't feel like AAA is a place where prospects need to spend much time. It's more of a, 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 a place for old old men to yeah. pitch. <laughs> so it didn't surprise me that he's up. Um, and especially when the, when second base wasn't, you know, Whit Merrifield was slumping, Omar Infante had already packed his bags and gone. Christian Colon, for whatever reason, is not going to get a shot ever, I think. Uh, not that he's really hit well enough to justify it this year, but, you know, I feel like he got somewhere along the line should have gotten a shot at it. So, yeah, I think what you said is everything you said is right. I mean, he's pretty much, I mean, kind of been everything he's been, you know, as advertised, right? I mean, it's like he's got plus speed. He certainly showed that. I mean, his very first, you know, major league hit was a, uh, a bun single that ended up in, into a three-bagger. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and, and, he, and he's plus defender, and he's been a great defender at second base. So that's you know exactly what the scout said. The trouble is, of course, he can't he can't hit and can't and hit at all. The, yeah, the play discipline was a huge problem in in the minors. Uh, he just does not draw don't draw walks at all. Uh, strikes out a lot. The, the, the whispers I've heard is that he um, just kind of doesn't. He kind of takes an immature approach to the play. Doesn't make the adjustments you need to um, kind of deal with a different pitcher each night, um, kind of like not doing the homework, you know. Uh, so I don't know if that's, you know, and he's, let's be clear, he's really young. He's 20 years old, yeah. or 21 years old now. He can legally drink. So maybe that's something, you know, how long did it take Mike Moustakas, you know, it took him like four seasons, five seasons before it finally got through his head that, you know, he's got to change his approach a little bit. So yeah. Yeah. hopefully it doesn't take Montesi that long, but, you know, I don't know how much hope I have that his plate discipline will get a lot better because... Once guys have that kind of walk out and strikeout rate, a walk and strikeout rate in the minors, it doesn't really typically improve a lot at the major league level. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. What do, what do you what do you see as like a, a, a good comp for him going forward? And and do you think do you think this is going to hurt his development being up by? So early? I think it do- absolutely. Um, I think yeah, it's definitely going to hurt his development. I mean, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. So. He's 20, so you know he didn't have great discipline. He's a guy who chases everything. To his credit, he actually has pretty good bat-to-ball skills. He actually does make pretty good contact. He has a good ability to make contact. You may look at his strikeout and say, well, no, he strikes out 30% of the time. That's only because he just swings at freaking everything. Um, so that's his big problem. But, yeah, hurt his development, yes, I think it does, mainly because you've got a guy who's 20 years old that you're like, okay, not only do you have to make the biggest jump, you know, in baseball from AAA to the MLB, you're you've got to make the adjustments on the fly. And when you're so far behind offensively, de- development-wise, he's not even close to the Lindors, to the like Orlando Arcias, um, Correas, uh, Seegers, those shortstops who hit first, play defense second. Um, Montesi is defense first, hit second. And someone mentioned this last night on Twitter to me about how, well, you know, Escobar wasn't great in the minors hitting. He wasn't. He was nowhere near as bad as a hitter as Montesi has been in the minors. Uh, Escobar had some hundred WRC plus seasons, I believe, or even some ninety WRC plus seasons in the minors. Um, made way more contact. Uh, hit for a much higher average. So it's just kind of like, hey, Montesi, you're in the deep end now. You've got to make all these adjustments, and he's not even just struggling to make these adjustments. He's struggling to even make contact with the ball, and that's really, really hard to do, to develop when you're just completely over water. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is what happened to Mike Zanino, effectively. This is what happened to kind of Byron Buxton. Um, 
Dylan Bundy a bit. I know he got kind of hurt, but um, there's a lot of questions on if he really should have been up there. They can't all be, you know, Sal Perez, where just call him up and he's good. Um, guys who especially don't hit need a lot of time to develop hitting. And I don't know. I, I, I didn't get why they called him up in the first place. Some people kind of said that, oh, you know, just to see, hey, do we need to go get a second baseman in the offseason? But Montessi was not should not be the solution for second base. Um, not now, or nor did I think he needed to be it, you know, even this winter, or, you know, going into 2017. So, yeah, I think it helps him a bit developmentally. developmentally. Yeah, it's interesting. I want to kind of segue into your, your midseason prospect list. Uh, and it came out before Montessi uh, got promoted, but you had him ranked fourth in the system, which is admittedly a very thin system. Um, so I guess, I guess talk a little bit about the top of that list. Uh, you got Chase below. Uh, is it Bello, below or Valo? I never... uh, Valo, from what Valo, I okay. believe. Chase Valo, the catcher in A-ball. Uh, he's your number one prospect right now. Um, I guess talk about a little bit. That's, that's, I think it's really contrary to a lot of other midseason prospect lists. Uh, not that it makes it wrong, certainly. Um, and there's good reasons to be down on Montessi. But what was kind of your thinking putting uh, Valo at number one and, and Montessi so low? Yeah, I, I just don't. With Montessi, I mean, he hasn't hit anywhere um i think it's i can't think the last let me see um so his highest wrc plus looks like it was 94 in uh a ball uh lexington i'm gonna assume yeah it was lexington um in 2013 other than that i mean he's always had high strikeout rates he just he i, I have no confidence in his ability to hit defensively yes he's great but uh, you know, you've got to do something more than just play good defense to be the number one prospect, even in like the Angels farm system. Um, and a lot of, you know, the love for Montessi, which is fine, is um, projection, you know. And he's actually got pretty good power from the left-hand side. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But you're just you're just wish-casting on so much projection, essentially. Um, and I don't know. I... He's got to hit at some point. Yes, he had a good double A and a good triple A. Um, but, you know, it was, what, 45 games now that I look at it of good results. He still struck out 30% of the time in triple A. Uh, so, I don't know. So, below is super risky. He's prep catchers. Prep catchers are historically maybe the worst uh, prospect asset to invest in. They've got, like, the lowest return. But uh, what Velo did in uh, Lexington as a – 18-year-old is just very uncommon, and the guys that do do that are very successful major leaguers. Um, hit, and that's hit 10-plus home runs. Uh, so the power really plays well for him. Um, he walks fine. Yes, the strikeouts are there, but you know he's consistently been the youngest guy in his league. He was the third youngest player drafted in his draft year. So age is... You know, when you look at Montessi, you use age as an excuse. I think age can also be an excuse for below. Excuse is the wrong word, but age can be a factor in ranking him um, what I did. And I like below. It seems like he's made improvements at the plate that he's probably going to stay there. The Royals have given him every opportunity to catch and play DH. Um, he had the injury, which shouldn't be anything, you know, long-lasting. Um, not like he hurt his knees or something. Um took a pitch to the face and then hurt his back on a, on a trying to jump to reach for a ball. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, he's a catcher. He's a catcher who could potentially hit 25, 30 home runs. Um, he's going to strike out a lot. 
But, I mean, look at Wilson Ramos. Wilson Ramos had strikeout problems. Um, so did, uh, I can't think of the catcher's name for the Rockies. Um, that's no longer, Will and Rosario had strikeout problems. But, hey, he could hit 30 home runs a year. Uh, so that overcame it. So I really like Velo. I know it's a risky asset. I'm totally fine with somebody wanting to put Mondesi or Dozier or anybody ahead of him. But um, that's just what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, especially Monty. I, I mean, I you see him hit at times, and like I see what the scouts see in him. Like he does have more power than you would usually see out of an infielder. Uh, but you know, that's like like strike zone management. It, it just dooms so many prospects. And with Velo, at least he draws the walks, and the strikeouts do concern me because um, we've seen how that's kind of derailed Bubba Starling. But with Bubba, never drew the walks either. So I I, I feel a lot better with a guy that if he strikes out, will at least draw the walks. At least shows that he has some sort of play discipline and recognition of pitches. He's just not, you know, maybe he's getting deep in counts and is getting finished off too much um, and, and maybe selling out the power a little bit. And I'm okay with that. So I, I, I don't think, I don't think I'm quite as high on below as you are, Yeah. Uh, but I, but I like him a lot. I think he's a, a you know, got tremendous upside, probably uh, some of the highest upside the Royals have in their system right now. And uh, yeah, he's an exciting guy that um, I'll have to keep close. I'm sure he'll keep us, uh, you know, on close tabs with him. Uh, let's yeah. talk about some of the other guys on the list. How about Hunter Dozier? Like, you've been on his bandwagon for quite some time. You took a, a good ribbing last year when he was just yeah. not off. Definitely, yeah. Cool. And, man, you've been kind of richly rewarded this year. Uh, you're really putting it together. I mean, he's going to be the world's minor league player of the year, I'm sure. Probably, yeah. Um, uh, hands down, we, we could very well see him up in September as a September call-up. Um I mean, what's been the difference with him, and and where do you see his future? Because it looks like third base is kind of blocked. Yeah, um, to to discredit me a bit, um, I did I did bump him down pretty hard. I also I lost faith uh, after his really really bad. Um, well, he had a half a season in Double A at fourteen that he was not good at all, and then he had even worse. Uh, full season of Double A last year, so I, I I didn't jump off the train, but I maybe overreacted a bit because um, I definitely was kind of you know hard on him, especially since he was drafted. Um, but I mean, big difference. Strikeout rate has come down. I'm not sure what's really causing that. Um, a lot of it has been a lot of rumors might not be the word, but a lot of the reports or ideas is that he's kind of gone back to. Stop trying to lift the ball so much. Going back to line drive swing, um, not coincidentally. Well, maybe coincidentally, but his power is now up. He's stopped trying to hit the ball far, and his power numbers are up. Uh, he's already set uh, a career high in home runs, and it's only been about 350 plate appearances so far. So, um, yeah, I mean, actually, he's way above that now that I'm looking at it. Uh, he had 13 in Triple A, and he has eight in Double A this year. So, uh, yeah, 21 home runs is almost double what he had all in double a last year um so uh yeah i mean walks have always been there um those generally don't translate quite as well to the major leagues as strikeouts do uh, strikeouts high strikeouts translate better than high walks i should say translate as far and they continue um so a lot of it's kind of been going back to you know his kind of more natural swing uh, not sure if he looks more patience at the plate uh, but, you know, he's kind of just back to the hitter he was, effectively. You know, he's not going to be a 300 average, 400 OBP, 500 slugging guy in, in the majors. But he's a guy that I think can hit 260, 
265, 270. Maybe get on base at 340-ish, 350-ish, and uh, maybe hit 450-ish in power. Uh, for third base, he's an average at least defender there. Really strong arm. Um, I, he's not as good as Musnakis. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that we're looking at uh, solid everyday third baseman. I would take him over Cuthbert um, by a pretty good mark, in my opinion. But, yeah, uh, happy to be happy everybody's back on the Dozier bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> It's also interesting. Your, your top four guys are all hitters, which I don't think. Oh yes. Uh, I think it's probably going to be the same for every every prospect list out there for the Royals because uh, it's so, so pitching thin right now. Uh, number five, you have Josh Stalmont. Uh, yeah. And number six, you have Matthew Strom. Uh, let's talk about Stalmont in a minute. But Strom, he's got promoted to the big league since you wrote uh, wrote up your list. Um, tell us a little about Strom. What what can we expect? And do you think he can cut it as a starting pitcher? Because he, he's looked really good out of the pen. Uh, and I think everyone seems to think, man, if he stayed in the bullpen, he'd be a really nice seventh inning guy. But um, of course, they need starting pitchers more. So can he can he cut it? Yeah, um, I guess we'll have to see. He definitely uh, he's very exciting. He's definitely been super exciting. He's not, I don't think he, I'm not sure he's going to throw 97 out of the out of the rotation. I think he's going to be more mid 90s, like 94 ish, which still is good. I mean, still it's a plus fastball. Um, the curveball, which contrary to Steve freaking Fiziak, who thinks it's a slider, I have no idea if he actually knows what a slider and curveball is, but he calls Matt Strom's curveball slider. It's clearly a curveball. It's very nice, especially when it's kind of got that overhand, the kind of, he can go 12-6, he can go 11-5 a bit with it, sometimes in the middle. Um, the third pitch is the changeup. That's kind of questionable. Um, I think it's maybe going to be an average pitch. Um, kind of when it's all said and done. So, I mean, you got two above average, maybe a plus, two plus pitches, and then a, a good enough changeup. That's a pretty good lefty, especially a left-hander is going to need a changeup. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that we're looking at a, like a peak number three-ish starter, someone who's like a two-ish win, maybe one-and-a-half win-ish guy, um, maybe a little more. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, this in, this year it's all about keeping his innings down. Um, I don't subscribe to that theory, but yeah, I mean, next year it should be full reigns off for the most part. Let the dude throw. Uh, who else are you going to? I mean, who else is a rotation candidate next year other than him? <laughs> yeah, it's not Kyle I mean, Hammer, probably. I mean, well, he, he did get the thoracic outlet syndrome procedure, so <laughs> if that's the cure that gets him back on the mound, yeah, who knows? I'll believe that when I mean. Seriously, when I see him pitch, I will believe he's still alive. That's that's effectively what it's coming down to, where we don't even know if he's still on this earth if we don't actually see him in uniform pitching, um, other than what you know Jeff Flanagan says. So yeah. Uh, but Stamont, I do love me some Stamont. Um, I took some crap, and I just want to sh- you know pr- yell at the haters here. I took some crap. I think it was this winter for ranking Stamont ahead of Miguel Almonte. And Miguel Almonte was so bad in AAA, he got demoted to AA. And I've got Stamont as number five. This dude is going to be an awesome reliever. I'm telling everybody, he's he's my dude. I would have, I actually wanted to rank him higher, but I, I kind of had to be like, all right, relax. If you're talking about a reliever, he can only go so high. But I really love Stamont. He's not a starter. Uh, he had games where he walked nine batters in three innings. No, sorry, he had a seven. He went 1.2 innings and had a seven walk, 1.2 innings. Zero command. 
I don't think command's going to get really any better. Um, it's not like he's an 18-year-old. He was a college guy. But I love this dude. Awesome fastball. Probably an 80 fastball. Um, probably a 60-ish curveball. He doesn't need any other pitches. He literally only needs those two pitches. And I guess he can keep his changeup if he wants. But he, he doesn't need it. He could drop it, be a fastball, curveball, dominant reliever. Love him. That's all I have to say about Stalman. <laughs> Well, another pitcher that they got you on the top ten is their most recent draft pick, uh, right-handed pitcher AJ Puckett out of Pepperdine. Uh, I don't think we've had you on since the draft. No. I don't know if you have like just general thoughts about how they conducted the draft. Like, I know some of the guys have already gotten up pretty good starts, uh, but do you feel like they're? And I know they were kind of hamstrung because of they didn't have a first-round pick for signing Ian Kennedy. They had one of the lowest draft bonus pools because they yeah. were good last year. They're the uh, World Champs. Um, so they're a little hamstrung, but I mean, you had wrote some things before the draft about how they, you know, ways they could play it, and they kind of played it straight up. It seemed like just kind of taking the players they felt had yeah. the character. Yeah, like, it seemed very did, safe. Did they kind of blow it, you think? Or yeah, it seemed a little underwhelming. Uh, maybe safe, but a little underwhelming. Um, I don't know. I didn't like it at all. There was there was a lot of opportunity cost is the wrong word, but there was a lot of like you could have done better with this money. Um, Puckett, there was basically no reason to sign Puckett at slot. He had basically no leverage really. Um, he was a college junior, yes, but he had like a breakout year. He wasn't it wasn't like he you know was still building on stuff he basically that was the best year he's probably going to have in college um if he went if he wanted to go back to pepperdine uh, good power on him but he probably wasn't gonna get taken any higher um so they signed him for slot uh then just everything kind of after that was just underwhelming um there's a lot of guys that i like that were still on the board i would have loved for them just in those first two picks just to be like we're gonna grab whoever falls in both those picks we're going to just grab those two guys. We're going to pay them a million and a half or two million dollars to to drop, you know, to not go to college um, or to not go back their senior year. And then who cares who we get at third, fourth, so on. Those are hardly ever anything valuable. Um, you don't get a lot of Greg Hollins in those. And even Greg Holland wasn't like a huge bonus guy. I think he got like ten thousand ish. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like they needed to save the money and you could spend above $100,000 anyways after that. Um, so, I don't know. I, I would have liked them to spend the money differently, um, especially not having a first-round pick. Uh, but Puckett has been just okay so far. Um, he doesn't have awesome stuff for the most part. It's a lot of, like, average pitches. Uh, so, there's some worry. I always get worried about guys, especially college guys, who at this point are pretty much just average pitches across the board. Um, a little worried about commandish with him. It's not a very like perfect delivery. It's a very kind of much. It's very methodical, um, like clockwork. It has to be where you know this has to go, this has to go, this has to go. It's very momentum based, I guess. Um, so and then he's been okay. He was he was decent in rookie ball for like all of like six innings or something. Um, he's now in, uh, Burlington where he's been, uh, Lexington. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. He's in Lexington. Um, where he's been. Okay. He's been fine. Uh, I think strikeouts are down. Um, but you know, he hasn't given up that many runs. 
Um, he's walked a couple batters, but strikeouts being down, I, I, I really don't care this much about his stats. Um, full season stats next year, that's when really it starts to matter. He's a college pitcher from um, not some small, tiny school. Pepperdine's not a huge baseball school, but, I mean, it's a, it's a larger school. I mean, it's not, it's not a no-name. It's not Kansas State for the blind or something. Um, so he shouldn't, he shouldn't have a problem with rookie ball or A ball. When he goes to Wilmington next year, um, that's where you're really going to want to start caring about results, especially if he gets to Northwest Arkansas. So, not happy with the bucket pick. Don't think there's much upside, but I don't know. Not like they grab some no-name guy from wherever, you know, the first pick and pay them $2 million. It, eh, it's kind of a safe-ish pick. Yeah, I feel like he's gonna, a guy that's probably going to rise pretty quickly. Sure. I think just because, you know, I think they wanted a polished college guy because... Uh, then maybe it was a lower ceiling guy because they need pitching so badly, and uh, I, I could see them being really aggressive, moving him up through the system next year, uh, especially if he, had, you know, yeah, he he's a decent numbers. Not, uh, I don't think anything to, to put him on top 100 prospect list, but he, you know, he's, he's but he's been good. I mean, it's encouraging at least that he's not been bad. He, you know, 2.85 ERA is, is very good. Um, like you said, the strikeout numbers are not super great, but um, but they're not terrible either. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. He's kind of a lower ceiling guy, like maybe the back of the rotation guy if he gets to the big leagues, yeah. which is fine. If you have a cheap guy that can be that, that's great. It's better yeah. than paying Chris Young or Edison Volquez to be that. So I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I kind of agree with you. I think there's probably a chance to grab someone a little more higher upside um, because by the time, whoever it was, by the time they're going to be in the big leagues, the world are probably going to be rebuilding. So I don't think you need a guy that's going to be rising fast through the system. I'd rather get the high upside guy that um, maybe takes four or five years, but that's when the team's going to be good again anyway, so give me the superstar. Uh, but, I don't know, like you said, there, there's certainly worse picks they could have taken at that point. And like I said, they were hamstrung before. Um, I don't know if you want to look at the, the draft, um, I don't know, the, draft, the guys they drafted, but uh, are, there, are, there, I don't know, are there any guys that you were kind of high on or low on, that, or any guys that stand out from this draft? I know... No. Me, one guy I, uh, I, I really liked when they drafted him, who hasn't really played very well, is Logan Gray, the second baseman they, or the outfielder they got in the 13th round. He's a Leewood kid, uh, went to Rockhurst High School, and later went to Austin P University. Yeah. Uh, it had really good like power numbers. For, and he played second base in college. I think he's an outfielder now. But he had really good college uh, power numbers and, and, and pretty good play discipline numbers uh, with Austin P and it's and it's only been 23 games of low a low rookie ball Burlington, which is usually younger guys, and he's been pretty, pretty bad so far. I mean, it's early in his career, but uh, hasn't been able to you know control the strike zone at all with uh, striking out what 30 percent of the time and yeah. full walk. So I don't know. Is there any guys that um, kind of stand out for you that maybe you think could be something for the Royals eventually? Yeah, uh, Khalil Lee, who was their third round, yes, their third round pick. Um, they were kind of toss-up on if he was going to be an outfielder or if he was going to be a pitcher. Uh, a lot of people liked him as a pitcher. He's super young. I think he's 17. Um, a lot of people liked him as a pitcher. The Royals said, nope, we are going to take him as an outfielder. He's hit pretty well um, for a guy who's just turned 18 a month ago, um, for a guy who's super young and in rookie ball. So he said, okay, um, five home runs, which is pretty dang good for 34 games. Um Struck out, you know, 27.6% of the time. So that's a concern, especially in rookie ball. But that was kind of the idea on him. He's very, very raw, a lot of power, a lot of speed. Uh, but. Actually, um, got a lot of walks for a young yeah, kid. 
Right, and drawn, yeah, almost a 16% walk rate. So that's interesting. That's definitely intriguing. Um, Jace Vines, their fourth-round pick, uh, from what I remember so far, he has not been very good. Let me look him up right now. Um, he definitely was a guy that at Texas A&M was just all over the place. Uh, I think he had a start, job in the starting rotation, pitched so horrible that he lost it. Um, so uh, he has not been very good either in uh, so far, especially for you know a guy from a SEC, a power conference. A&M's not a you know huge, uh, not a, it's not Florida, but it's a pretty good baseball school from a pretty good, the best uh, baseball conference. Um, he should be doing awesome in rookie ball. Uh, unfortunately, he, he's not quite. Um, Nicky Lopez, I think we talked earlier about him. Um, you said that he looked pretty good. I have, I actually have seen zero of Nicholas Lopez. but uh, he, He's drawing a ton of walks for Burlington as well, like 27 walks in 43 games. And he's, he's 20 of 21 in stolen base opportunities, which is oh, yeah, yeah. pretty eye-popping. Uh, middle infielder, I mean, He's he's the guy that like the scouts love like yeah. kind of just they drool over him being gaming a heads up guy on the field like future coach kind of guy very good defensive um, player yeah yeah he's out he's out of Creighton which is a, a pretty good MVC school uh, or I guess they're not in the Big East now aren't they yeah um, so and he's so he's hit pretty well he's off to a good start um, you know seems like more of a you know utility infielder guy but you know who knows if he continues to to perform like this then he certainly could play his way into a starting role. And, Lord knows the Royals need kind of middle infield types in the system right now. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to think, the guy who is going to get a lot of love if he keeps kind of hitting pretty well, and he's kind of person. He's not all personality. Um, Chris Devito, who is out of um, not Southern Nevada, um, New Mexico. Blank, New Mexico. Dang it, that's what I was thinking. Um, What's his nickname? It's like uh, Red Hercules. Red Hercules. But he's, but he's actually got. Let me see, because that's actually not his. That's like, oh, uh, the the Girthquake is what his actual... Is his Twitter handle. Yeah, he likes to go by that, I <laughs> think, rather than... Yeah, he's a character. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely someone that, like, if somehow he makes it to the major leagues, I bet he's people are going to love him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, DeVito's been been pretty dang good. Uh, has seven he's home a, he's runs. He's a first baseman with some pop. Yeah, yeah, completely first baseman, um, probably even a DH type. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just the guy that's going to have to hit... Um, and yeah, he's done done fairly well so far. That's really been it. I haven't. How about your? Um, There's one guy, Grant Gavin, I think it is. He was the one having a good season. Um, yeah, he has a 1.41 ERA uh, as a reliever. I mean, yeah. I guess I guess at this point they all are relievers. They're all yeah. only going like three or four innings at a yeah, time. Yeah, right. But uh, 31 strikeouts to four walks in 32 innings. Uh, he's a local kid too. I think he's from Lee Summit. Uh, and he went to University of Central Missouri, which is a really good, uh, yeah. excellent Division yeah. Two baseball for D two, yeah, baseball program. Um, and they got him late, 29th round. So if he turns into some, you know, I don't know if it'll be the next Greg Holland, but he certainly, you know, certainly relievers typically come, you know, anywhere. You can get him in the first round, you can get him in the 29th round. So he certainly has some promise. He's only 20. Uh, I guess he just turned 21 a few weeks ago. Uh, and he's and he's a rookie. But he's in Arizona, so it's still a million miles away. Yeah. In the big leagues, but um, at least he's performing well. So that's you know I'm just right now I'm looking for guys that yeah. uh, are off to good starts. But uh, cool. I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys yeah. that, like the college guys they took. It seemed like were college guys that didn't really even perform sure. in college very well. Like Jace yeah. Vines, like I mean Chris Devito had really good numbers, and like I said, Logan Gray looked really good. But a lot of these other guys, and they took a lot of junior college guys too. Yeah, which kind of to me. Yeah, um, not as yeah. many high school guys as you would have thought though. No, that takes a lot of high school guys. 
Um, they didn't seem to, to take it to, too many of them. Um, I, one they did take was Cal Jones in the sixth round out of Alabama. Yeah. Who um, just seemed to be like toolsy. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he is like all all tools, but like really raw. He's like the Bubba Starling of Alabama. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't he's, find he's anything. He's not a really good start, but I mean, he's, he's got a long ways to go. So. Yeah. I, uh, Clint Scholes does a really great job of doing background on all these guys. I had to kind of um, read. I had to read more about Cal Jones through like what Clint Scholes had written about it. Clint Scholes at uh, Baseball Perspectives, Kansas City. Um, I had because Cal Jones is, was like so under the radar, knew nothing about him at all, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, completely raw. But yeah, um, you know another guy that's hit pretty well um, is Cork Peterson. Uh, he was out of UCLA. Um, he has done pretty well, 165 WRC plus in rookie ball. Um, he's a big power guy. I think he um, was kind of a guy who was like power first. He's definitely. I remember if you go look at a photo of him, he's a he's a he's a pretty stout kind of guy. He's not like super tall, but he's just he's just filled out. Um, not like Bubba Starling in a way. He's I know it's hard to describe. But anyways, uh, he's definitely a guy that should be kind of a power shitter all the way. Uh, might not make enough contact, but he's definitely someone that's hitting well. He's from, you know, Pac-10 school or Pac-12, whatever it is now, um, UCLA. And so UCLA is a decent baseball school. So I've, uh, yeah, definitely he's a guy to kind of look at a bit that's done well. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll have a lot more to yeah. say about these guys when they, they actually do more than like a handful of games in the professional levels. But uh yeah, I think most fans thought it was kind of an underwhelming draft. Especially, I mean, at least if you go by, like, the Baseball America guides, yeah. like, they weren't really drafting the guys in the top 100, right. 500 list. Like, and that's fine. Like, some teams have their own. They, they, they see something. You know, that's why teams have professional scouts. They, they have their own scouting system. They find guys. And, like, I don't know that, you know, the Baseball America would have picked up on some of the Royal guys that, that succeeded with the Royals. So, you know, maybe they know what they're doing. But we'll have to see what, uh, you know, we'll know several years down the line what these guys do so yeah yeah um so cool well listeners sorry that it's been a while since we've done um a podcast you know we we're humans and we 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 do have the lives we love talking about baseball we love we definitely appreciate everybody coming to the site listening to the podcast um i think we're almost at 20 episodes now with the podcast um they've all been great um Max, any anything else? Anything else? Gosh, dang! I, I you'd be surprised that I English is my first language. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to cover while we are, you know, on record here? Uh, talking is hard. Uh, no, I don't know. There's some September call-ups. I guess we got looking. Oh look yeah, no, no, no. Um, Let's do that. No, for sure. Well, um, I don't, you know, I don't know. If there's anyone to get super excited about. Monesty's already up. I guess Dozier would probably come up. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. Strom's already up. I, I'd like to see Strom get some starts down the stretch. Oh sure. I know in place of Dylan G. But um, do we know, know what the Royals' forty man is? Right. How, how many spots we have? Are there any open? Um. And right now, I don't yeah. think there are. No, I think they'd have to create a spot. To, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then they've, and they've got Mike Miner and maybe even Jason Vargas coming off the sixty day. So they're going to have oh, to make room for those guys. Yeah. Right. Cause so there may be a crunch here. Here. Yeah. Let's soon. see. I don't know if there's. If they wanted I mean, to make Hochaver can go on the sixty day deal. Yeah. Uh Jorge Bonifacio is on the forty man, he could come up. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Ramon Torres, they could they could DFA right now, they'd be fine. Um 
Rafe Winters, they could probably DFA. He'd probably go through. Um, shoot, I bet you they could probably DFA Whit Merrifield, and he might make it through. Well, he's going to come up, I think, in September. Yeah, right? yeah, he'll come up. Um, I, Nick Tepish, I can't believe they added Nick Tepish to the 40-man, but, I mean, I get it. They they wanted somebody as a backup, but... You want to see a flyer, I think. Yeah, well. Tepish is, like, on his, like, fourth organization in the past year, so... Um, uh, why is this giving me... No, this can't be right. I'm looking at it now. It's trying to tell me Nolan Watson is on the 40-man. That's absolutely not correct. Uh, I think Scott Alexander is a guy that could probably... Do you think Miguel, Miguel Almonte could clear Yeah. Waivers? Oh, clear waivers. Ooh, maybe. Well, no, I think somebody might take him as a 40-man. If he was like a Rule 5 guy, yeah, he'd clear Rule yeah. 5. But he wouldn't... I don't think he'd, he'd clear waivers. Um and just I, so, so people, in case people don't know, like if you're yeah. on the forty man roster, you're protect. I guess you're protected. You're, you're on the. You can you can be. You have to be on the forty man roster to be on the active roster. But then there's also another fifteen spots that aren't on the active roster. Yeah. But anyway, if, if you get taken off the forty man roster, you have to clear waivers. That means any team can claim you and put them on their forty man roster. So like a guy like Miguel Almonte, even though he's in the minors right now, if they wanted to shove him off the forty man roster to make room for Mike Miner. Then Almonte would be exposed to waivers, and like the Cincinnati Reds could yeah. pick him up and put him on the roster. So yeah, I'd be surprised if any pitchers, for the most part, um, get waived or get DFA'd. Uh, well, does DFA the right term? I guess if you take somebody from a forty-man, I guess yeah, waived, designated for assignment. DFA. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking if there's a really there's because a you're, you're assigned to the AAA roster. Yeah. Because there's a difference between DFA and waived, uh, but yeah. so yeah, because DFA you've got ten days to trade them. I think waived you're just sending them down after being claimed. Anyways, um, so yeah. What about, what about Bubba Starling? Is he? I mean, a September call up? Yeah, or I don't know. I, I, I probably yeah. I mean, like I think there's. I can't imagine with how awful the starting rotation has been and how badly they like need pitchers sometimes that they're that they'll take any pitchers away. So I would almost think that every pitcher that's on the forty man is going to stay there just simply because they're just someone they can throw in instead mm-hmm. of having to throw Chin Ming Wong in in a eighth inning one run ball game or something. Oh, he, um, actually, he could be DFA. Yeah, no, yeah, or yeah, or they could yeah DFA him. Um, like Tony Cruz. Do you need a back? Do you need a third catcher on your forty man? It seems like you could probably find, like, if you really needed a a, a third catcher, it means that your number one catcher is injured, or maybe your number two. I don't know. It feels like you don't need three catchers on your forty man. You need three catchers in the organization, but do you need three? Do you need the third guy immediately available, or it seems like you could make room for him if need be. Um, I think teams like to have one up in September. I mean, oh, just because yeah. the comfort, the true. comfort of not you know if, if something so you can pinch hit. Yeah, or, except your Brett Hayes or pinch run for because yeah. like in September games be crazy. Like yeah. you'll have like four pinch hitters, two pinch runners. Like, yeah. Um, um, so they, especially the Royals, I think they'll probably like to DH Salvador Perez a lot in September. So I yeah. assume, I think they'll keep Tony Cruz just for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ramon Torres could easily make it through. Um, waivers, he could be taken off. Um, but how about this? What about Christian Cologne? You think he could get snuck? You, you think somebody would take him? Put yeah, him on I, that think, I think someone would take him. I think I mean, so too. Yeah, I think he'd be a useful utility for someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, you, I mean, you got to look at how bad some of the other. Ro- I mean, yeah, I've had a bit rough year. 
like look at the Reds roster sometimes. <laughs> it's just a terrible roster right now. Yeah. Uh, with guys that have no business being in the major leagues. Like so yeah, yeah I think a guy like Christian Colon would probably be an upgrade over what they have. And he's young yeah. enough to say they figure they can figure like, oh, let's give him a chance and, and, and like like Ramon Torres, um, you know, he's a double A guy and he's not gonna he's not gonna help the Reds. Yeah. Like maybe they stash him just because he's a lottery ticket, but he hasn't really done it. He's not even good. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's not been very good. He could definitely make it off. I bet Bonifacio gets called up. I yep. could see that happening. See that, yep. He's on the 40-man. Uh, I don't know if Gore, Terrence Gore, I don't know what the point of bringing him up in September would be, but I guess well, why would, Why not? I guess. Yeah, you know Yost wants, wants as many right. bench runners as yeah. he can. I mean, like, it doesn't hurt because he's already burned his option year. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He's already on the 40-man roster, so what, you know, what the hell not? Bring yeah, Starling is going to be really interesting to see if he comes up. I, I don't know. He's been so awful in double or triple-A, but... And, and double-A. Yeah, yeah, and double A. Yeah, well, remember, I remember like he in like his first triple A game, he had like two homers or something. He's like, all right, it worked. And then he's like, your nah. article's written about. It. Yeah, it's like, nah, he's awful. How many um, corners is he? He's the new do- dodecahedron. Uh, yeah, he's just gonna keep turning that corner. Keep turning the corner, yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. No, I don't think anybody. Nobody on my nobody worthwhile really, other than I don't know Bonifacio might be worthwhile seeing. Hey, we'll see about him. He's hitting pretty well this year. Well, I mentioned uh, this on the last podcast, I think, but he's got such a bizarre split though. Like he's hit like almost all his home runs in Omaha, which yeah. isn't it's a home run park, but it's not yeah. like that great of home run park. Home run yeah. park compared to like Las Vegas and Albuquerque, yeah. yeah, places like that. So I don't know. It's kind of weird the season he's had, but his uh, his walk uh, rate's a lot better than it's been in the past. So I've yeah. got. And he's only 23, so I've got some some hope that he can at least be a useful player in the future. But uh, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I think teams usually wait till playoffs end as well. I mean, so like September 1st, we shouldn't be expecting everybody to get called up. I think. Teams, well, I think Omaha's way out of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Well, so we'll see. I guess September's coming close. Um, so Max, make a prediction. What's the Royals' final record? Uh, whatever, September thirty-first or October first, whatever the last game is. Uh, I still think I think probably like seventy-nine wins is what they end up at. I don't know. What do you think? Seventy-nine, eighty-three. Um, I said eighty, eighty-two. It's going into the season. Mm-hmm. I will stay with eighty and eighty-two. Okay. Um, that seems prudent. I think that's that's pretty good. Because they, let me see. Because they've got to play the Twins like three more series. They play the Twins tomorrow for the next weekend. Well, today when this comes out for that weekend series, um, then they play. Aren't they, like, aren't, they a little, aren't they playing a little bit better though now? Yeah, that, a little uh, bit. Right? I don't know. I haven't following the Twins that closely. So, but you know what could really might doom them? Which two three months ago I didn't think it mattered, but. Um, Shoot, they've got coming up after the Twins. So they play the Twins for the next three. Then they go to Detroit. Then they get the Twins. Gosh dang. Then they get a four-game series at the Twins at home. Shoot, you could almost pencil that. This The Royals are not good, but the Twins are really bad. But yeah. the Twins have been playing better. Um, but then they go to the Marlins Park, which, gosh dang, they haven't been, they haven't been to Miami since Miami was definitely since Miami was Miami. Wait, when Miami was Florida. And they were because I remember that game. I was actually at a graduation, uh, a high school graduation for somebody, um, when they played the Marlins down in Miami, 
back when they had the old uniforms at the old stadium too. Yeah. It's been a while since they've been in Florida, if I can recall that right. But yeah, they go to the Marlins, then they go to the Red Sox, then they've got the Yankees at home. The Yankees um, hitting pretty well. Then they've got the Tigers, the A's next month. So yeah, I don't know. They do benefit from playing the Twins a lot. The Twins aren't quite as awful as they were at one point, um, but they're still not good. Then they get a mix in games against the White Sox. They get a mix four games against Oakland, and then they get a finish. Um, they get the, the last home stands against the Twins again. But there's a really brutal stretch in uh, September, September 20th to the 25th. They've got three games at the Tigers, three games at the Indians. Um, so I don't know. I, we talked about not worst case scenario, but we obviously want the Royals to win. But the worst case scenario is like going on like a, a hot streak in September, but still finishing like six games out of the playoff. You know, like yeah, they just they they get above five hundred, which is I guess great for attendance and the like. But it's still like oh man, uh, you know, think about the they cost a draft pick, they didn't really gain much from it. I, I don't know. So not worst case scenario, but. They're in that position where, okay, next year, we weren't so bad, we need to sell. We weren't so good, we need to buy. So Yeah, uh, like right now, they're in the line for like the 12th pick in the draft. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, if, if they're if you're in the top 10, uh, that's pretty big because your, your pick is protected. Yeah. So even if you can sign a, uh, a free agent that's been offered a qualifying offer, right. you don't have to forfeit your first-round pick, which I don't know if they plan on doing that this winter, but if they do, that that's that's kind of important. But you yeah. still like a top 10 pick just because it gets a better draft position. Better well. term, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think you... If you move back and still don't make the playoffs, like that's kind of a bummer. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, I agree. Guess we'll see. Um, I don't know. I don't see the team closing out strong. I think they'll kind of. I don't. I don't think they'll pack it in or like quit or anything. But I, you know, you kind of maybe don't go all out as much as you did back in April. So yeah, and, and I think also they'll start trying. Like Matt Strom will probably get an audition. Yeah, right. He may not be great. You know, like he'll have to get his feet wet. And they may start giving playing time to you know. Guys like Bonifacio and Dozier and guys like that, so you know, you know, that could hurt their chances of winning, which is fine. You know, that's what I'd rather see development than than wins, really. So, yeah, yep. agree. So cool. All right, well, everybody, uh, as always, we definitely really, really appreciate you listening, reading the website. Um, Max, I don't know if you were running the Twitter earlier, but one of our commenters or one of our Twitter followers um, and our reader had really great things. So. Um, Alex, I think was your name. If you listen to this, we definitely thank you very much for all those kind words you had to say uh, about us. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks, listeners. Thanks, readers. Um, obviously, we'll keep pumping out uh, great stuff. There's no better Royals baseball website um, on earth than RoyalsReview.com. I guarantee you that. Um, Max, last words. Anything we can we could say? Nope, that's it. <laughs> Okay, cool. All right, listeners, um, thank you very much. Um, As always, have many, many uh, good days.